Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank and praise you for your goodness to us. And Lord, each one that is here, Lord, we just ask that you would help us as we learn from your word, that you would encourage us to serve you in the way that you would have us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the message this morning, a special one song, listen closely and let the words prepare your heart for the sermon. Children dismissed to the children's church, and today is our first day of toddler's church. So we'll hopefully not have too many screams and cries of pain from... No, just uh, toddler's church, and have them dismissed. And this morning, I am uh, just feel impressed to cover a very strange subject and uh, part of it is just because of the world in which we live. We live in a uh, very, very difficult time. If you uh, love this country at all, you, you must understand that these are very, very dark days. Some of the darkest hours in American history are, are going on right now. And we have uh, the promise of the Lord's coming, the promise of all of these things that are in the book of Revelation uh, uh, going to happen. And, and let me tell you, God always keeps His Word. Those prophecies will be fulfilled. And uh, that is not a good thing for those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior right now. The only way you can prepare for those things is to trust in, in the Lord and so what I want to do is just kind of give you the title of the message this morning so that we can start thinking, and that is, Please Blush, Please Sigh, and Please Humble Yourselves. You know, if there's anything that is out of sync in our society today, it's these three words. Uh uh, I, I challenge you, uh, the chief goal of public education and college below a graduate level is to steal the innocence of your children, uh, is to remove from them that which makes them children. Uh, you know, ignorance and innocence in the life of a child are, are very important. Little children do not need to know and understand all these things that are going on around them. The world has given us a philosophy, unfortunately many Christians have swallowed it, is we need to tell our children so they can be prepared. No, we, we need to protect our children from the knowledge of things and allow them to be children. Uh, I can't remember when this was, but it was... Years ago, I was in some store or something, and this cartoon was playing. And I said, now, when I was a kid, it was Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and Elmer Fudd and uh, those kinds of, of things. And But this program, I can't remember even the name of it. It was just these weird creatures that were... Uh, obviously animals in their feature, but human in their behavior. But the things that they were all dealing with were not for kids. 
If you really want to be shocked sometime, go watch an old cartoon of the Flintstones. That wasn't written for kids. Most of the jokes that were in Bugs Bunny were not for the children. They were for the parents. And we need to understand something. God wants us to have that innocence. He wants to restore. We're, we're called, they were called the children of Israel for a reason. They were, we are called the children of God for a reason. Children do not determine the future. Uh, Greta Thornburg or whatever her name is, included. Amen? How many of you know who... I'm not pronouncing her last name correctly, but it's close. Uh, uh, These little children do not determine the future. And as Christians, it's not our job to run the world. That's God's job. But he has asked for us to do some things. We learned some things here. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is where we're going to start. And God has a condemnation for his people. It's repeated twice. Uh, It's repeated once. Twice it's given in the Bible. I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 6 in verse 15. He's talking about... The uh, nation of Israel, uh, we uh, look here and uh, 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 verse 13, it says, From the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of my daughter, of my, of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed that they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Look with me to Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8 in verse 12. Verse 9 starts with, The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed and taken. Verse 12 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. We, we live in a world where blushing, where innocence is despised. I, I want to tell you something. God wants to give us back our innocence, our ability to feel ashamed, our ability to blush if we will serve him his way. Do you know really what blushing is? Uh, If you look it up in the dictionary, it says to become red in the face. 
that's what the word means. And then it goes on to say, usually from shame or modesty. Now, isn't that interesting? Shame. Okay, we understand shame. How many of you blushed when you were ashamed? I mean, somebody, you blurted out the answer. I remember one time in fourth grade, the teacher was, nobody knew the answer. And, and, and all of a sudden, there there was. I know! That's two tallies for disorderly conduct. In the, that's what they, how you punish. Man, my face just turned as red as a beet. And I just sat there almost cried, but I wasn't going to do that. I was a big fourth grader. And I still remember that traumatic event to this day. Uh, you know why? Because I wasn't in control. I, I was in the wrong. I should have kept it a little lower key. But what happens today when somebody says something like that? When somebody burst out? Hey, it's my right to speak my mind. Yes, yes, we know. And uh, as I always like to say, do not give, uh, give anything away. You need all of your mind that you have. Don't, don't give it away to people. Don't give people a piece of your mind. Amen? Uh, you need to keep it all. And... and we, in order to be ashamed, in order to blush, we have to understand the difference between right and wrong. And we have to understand when our modesty has been compromised. Normally, when we use that word modesty, we're talking about dress. Uh, and... Uh, uh, most of the time it's in the context of female dress, but I, I want you to understand modesty is something every Christian must have. Modesty is connected to moderation. Modesty is connected to behaving properly. It is feeling ashamed at having our modesty compromised. The first time they used a profane word in a Hollywood movie was Gone with the Wind in 1939. Uh, you can't watch a TV commercial without profanity being used today. Uh, in fact, they have a whole genre of music, which, uh, if you ever thought about this, if you took all of the profanity out of rap music, you wouldn't have anything left. There'd be no lyrics left. It'd be just and, the, uh, uh, he or she. I mean, it would be nothing but pronouns and adjectives. Uh, because all of the words are, are filthy. When, when I was a, a kid, if somebody talked to you that way, my, my dad taught me, he says, you don't, you don't let someone talk to you that way. Uh, you challenge them. And, and if you come home with a black eye because somebody said something to you like that, he said, I'm not going to punish you. Okay. Praise God. Never really had that happen as a, as a kid. But I'll tell you, we live in a world where little children use words that the most profane of adults would not dream to use in the presence of children. 
What has happened to our country? I'll tell you, we're not ashamed. We don't blush. In fact, uh, just just being a man, that's what it... No, that's not... Profanity and masculinity are not connected. The Bible says that God condemned his people because they couldn't blush. Because they weren't ashamed. Can I challenge you that the first step to understanding biblical repentance is understanding that our sin and our behavior toward God is shameful. That's the first step. It is understanding that there is a difference between right and wrong. There is a difference between clean and unclean. There is something that that we ought to have. We ought to pray that God will give us that we would be embarrassed. That, that we wouldn't just think it's a joke and snicker at impropriety and risque jokes and uh, uh, all of these things that the world likes to use, double meaning statements and things. The Bible says... That, that we need to blush. We need to have that innocence. Jesus will restore it to our hearts if we'll ask him to. You know what the next one is? I think I just heard one. Somebody went. You know what that is? That's a sigh, isn't it? How many of you have ever walked up to the coffee shop went to hold the door and it was locked. Remember when I was driving back and forth to Riverhead every Wednesday night when the services were in the evening? If I got out of the service fairly quickly, I could make it to the Starbucks just before they closed. And then I would have a nice, big, hot or cold cup of coffee, depending on the weather, to enjoy on the trip home. You know how long a drive that is without a cup of coffee? I mean, hour and a half can feel like three or four hours. And get to that door. They locked the door. You know what a sigh is? It's to express desire or longing by the utterance of sighs. Hence... To wish or long ardently. Now, I shouldn't get that upset about a cup of coffee, right? But, but we, we, we sigh about a lot of things. Do we sigh about the right thing? We sigh when somebody takes our parking spot. We sigh when we, the guy in front of us slows down just enough that the light turns yellow and we get stuck. I mean, uh, I don't know, but... Or the pedestrian uh, are, uh, you know, they always have the right-of-way. And so they just walk right out in front and you slow down and get stuck behind the light. uh, Because you didn't run them over, which is a good thing. But let's turn to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 9. Now, you have to understand, these prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, were there 
when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And God prophesied through these men to his nation, to his people, how they ought to behave, how they could protect themselves from the dark days in which they lived. Jeremiah is telling them the fact that you cannot be, uh, be ashamed, the fact that you cannot blush, that it doesn't even come to your mind, uh, that, that, it's, uh, that it's not even uh, uh, registering in your thought process that what you are doing is against God and shameful in the sight of a holy God is going to bring destruction upon Israel. And it did. Now, here in the book of Ezekiel, let's start in verse 4 of chapter 9. It says, And the Lord said unto him, this was an angel that uh, uh, came before him, and... uh, Uh, Well, let's just get it here in verse 1. Ezekiel seeing a vision, he cried also in mine ears with a loud voice saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh... And that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. Now, Ezekiel was prophesying the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And God is letting him see this vision of these six angelic beings with destroying weapons in their hands. And there's one man among them who's clothed in linen, and he's got a writer's inkhorn. He's got a big... uh, Quantity of ink by his side and a pen in his hand. And God tells him to go through and I want you to find the people that sigh and cry for the abominations. You see, here's, here's how we need to behave as believers in Jesus Christ today. You know, I, I know people that go out and try to pass out tracts at the Gay Pride Parade and the Halloween Parade and uh, in Greenwich Village. And they, they try to be obnoxious. I even heard the story of a guy put a sign on his car, the Pope is a dope. And he'd drive around town with that sign. And to him, he was being a witness for Christ. Now, I want to tell you, that's not what the Bible says. That doesn't help anybody understand the truth. 
But when is the last time you sighed or wept tears for the sins and the abominations that go on in the United States of America today legally? You see, God said that he would protect those that sighed for the sins of the people. Those people that were still upset. You know, and I, I've heard people say, you know, uh, uh, cigarette smoking is terrible. It's killing people. Well, you know what the worst thing about cigarette smoking is? It's not the smoke. It's what it does for your ability to tell other people about Jesus. You, you can't talk about the goodness of Christ holding a cigarette in your hand. Well, I mean, people do. But it's a lie. It's so empty, you say, well, wait a minute. How can you talk about the freedom of Christ when you're addicted to whatever? I mean, you have somebody saying... Somebody even wrote a song, Jesus is a good old boy. Uh, you know, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not Bible. Jesus doesn't identify with us. He wants us to identify with him. He, he wants us, if we're going to have the heart and mind of Jesus Christ, guess what we need to do? We, we need to sigh, express longing. Not because their sin is bothering me, but because the sins of our country are going to bring death upon this nation and upon its people. That's what happened in Jerusalem, was it not? You continue reading here, it says that they were to fill the tabernacle, the temple, I'm sorry, in Jerusalem with the slain. And that's exactly what the armies of Nebuchadnezzar did, was they killed the priest and they killed everybody who was in charge of anything and they leveled the city and the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of the presence of Almighty God, disappeared from off of the face of the earth. And nobody knows where it is, even to this day. You see, I want you to understand something. If you live in an environment where profanity and and vile language is used all the time, you can get used to it. The Bible says that we ought to blush. We, we live in a world where people are just so saturated in sin that they couldn't recognize the truth. They wouldn't know it was true, uh, you know, no matter what you did. But here's what God told Ezekiel. He said, I'm sending forth my judgment upon the people who are sinning against me, but here's what I want you to do to the men, those angels executing the judgment. He says, you don't come any near to anyone that has that mark that was set on them by the man with the inkhorn because they sighed and cried at the abominations of their own nation. 
could I just simply say, don't ever give up on being ashamed of sin. Don't ever give up on being upset upon setting your desire to do what is right and sighing when people refuse to simply be obedient to the Bible. It's a dark story, not a happy one, but I mean, we've had over the years many people come through this church and young preachers now and uh, will often ask, and, hey, listen, what we're trying to do here as a church is have a place where we can struggle together to serve the Lord until Jesus comes for His church. That, that's what we're trying to do. We, we are here to encourage one another in the struggle, but I want you to understand something. We can't stop people from doing wrong. The way I like to put it is, if you don't cry when somebody leaves for the wrong reason, talking to a young preacher, said there's something wrong with you. He said, but if you let someone else's desire not to serve Christ stop you from serving Christ the way the Bible says, there's a whole lot more wrong with you. Are we together on that one? If we don't sigh when someone chooses to do wrong, there's something wrong in our own hearts. And we need to talk to God about that. But we cannot let that ever hinder us. So please, feel free to blush when you are faced with the shame of your sin or even someone else's. Feel free to sigh when people make a choice that isn't with the Bible. But let's get to the last one. This is the toughest one. This is the one that makes all everything else work. Most of us know this verse by heart. If you don't learn it, Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall... How many of you know what that next word is? Let's say it all out loud. Humble. Humble themselves and pray. You know, the world hates humility. Somebody told me years ago, if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. I said, yeah, I don't share reeds with anybody. That's gross. But, talking about saxophone, but, 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 if we're going to serve the Lord, He's not impressed by us. Can you do anything that will help the Lord Jesus out? Uh, Does He need your assistance? You know what the hardest thing to do? Uh, we were doing a little project, uh, repairing something in the house, and 
And uh, I've got two very eager young men that are just there. And they want to be involved. And he says, what can I do to help? Uh, Stand still. But I want to help. Be quiet. Because I got to think, I got to figure out what I'm doing. Now, God doesn't need to figure out what he's doing. He already knows what's best. But we need to be careful that we don't wear out God's ear talking to him about things that don't make any sense at all. I mean, we might call them prayers, but God doesn't. God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our direction. You know what humility really is? Well, let's read some verses here. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. James 4, 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know what biblical humility really is? It's simply saying, your way, not my way. I mean, baptism is a humbling experience in many cases. Uh, I don't know how many people have said, oh, oh, uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm not really good in front of groups. I said, well, that's good. That's, that's a very positive start. Uh, that's where we need to be. Uh, we talk about gifts of the Spirit on occasion. I want you to understand one thing about a gift of the Holy Spirit of God It is for use in the local church. It's not a talent or a natural ability. It is an unnatural ability. It is something that you do not possess. Uh, Not all gifted speakers are from God. Otherwise, we got some pretty horrible people out there. Uh, Not all great teachers are Gifted of the Holy Spirit with that gift of teaching. There are some fabulous teachers out there. They can manipulate minds and move them in the direction they want. There are teachers that can make very difficult things very simple to understand. But I'm not really concerned. I really don't believe the Holy Spirit of God has a great concern for trigonometry. Or Shakespeare. Or many of these other things that people have the gift to speak have. You see, humility is understanding that it's not my way, but his way. Do you know what that reminds me of? Jesus' prayer for three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but thine be done. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, humility 
I, I fear to preach on humility because, I mean, it is something none of us have enough of. Uh, and the moment that you begin to even think in your wildest imagination that you have a little humility, you just lost everything and then some. Uh, humility is not something that you uh, realize, oh, wow, that was really humble of me. But people say those things all the time. You ever met anybody that was so humble they couldn't even say the H? Uh, I've met some people like that. I'm just an humble preacher. Yeah, I remember one pastor, and it just rings in my mind here, and said, you know, if I, if I weren't a preacher, he said, about the only thing I could do is call hogs. And I'm sitting there going, excuse me? How could you insult the people you're preaching to any more than a statement like that? You see, in our attempts to pretend that we're humble, our pride just comes feeling through like a boil. You see... There isn't a lot of complicated things in the Bible. Jesus promised us that he would keep his word, didn't he? Sermon on the Mount, not one jot or one tittle. And the question that I've asked these people who criticize the Bible is simply this. Was Jesus mistaken when he made that statement? Well, no, he just doesn't mean what you mean. Oh, okay, uh, well, what do I mean? Tell me what I mean. Well, you, you mean that there's a perfect word of God for you to have today. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Uh, and that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said it. That we had something that we could surrender ourselves to and tell ourselves no and Jesus yes. If there's not a standard, if there's not something there for us to surrender to, then we can't be humble. Amen? Have you ever thought about how, really, in the whole scheme of things, how, how silly church can appear? I mean... You come here and listen to a guy yell at you for two hours on Sunday morning. Then you come back for more on Sunday night. If you're really faithful, you come back for a third helping on Thursday. And, and, uh, you know, I've never preached anything new out of this book in 27 and a half years. It's all been just simple Bible verses and the same messages. In fact... uh, uh, I've often said I only have one message. That's Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen again. That's the gospel. That's the only message we have. If you don't surrender to that gospel, you cannot be saved. That's the first step of humility. If you don't surrender to baptism in church membership, you cannot serve God the way the Bible says that you ought to serve Him. That got quiet. Can we get an amen on that? If you don't serve God the way the Bible teaches in unity with our church, 
you're not serving God the way he says. It's just that simple. You know what? When, we sing, when Brother Leland leads the song service, I hope you're singing the best you can. You know why? Because that's part of our worship to God. We, we have some special things that we're planning for Christmas Eve service. And, and I hope and, and I pray that it's not going to be one of those services where the choir sings and there's nobody left in the pews to hear. Uh, what we need to understand is that part of this service for Christ is just being where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there. Uh, Brother Brown just preached our missions conference, and I, I will tell you, uh, it has made a difference in the way our church gives. And I, I'm, as your pastor, that takes a great burden off of me uh, and, and allows us more freedom. And I'll tell you, if things continue as they were, as they are right now, guess what? We're going to be able to add some missionaries in January. But if you give away all your mission money under the Christmas tree to other people, then uh, things aren't going to be the way they ought to be. Do you know that giving is a form of humility? Because I'm taking money that I could use for myself, and I'm saying, because the Bible says so, I'm going to do what the Bible says and honor God with what he's given me. Do you know how close humility and worship are you can't have one without the other you know I think of our uh, many of our, our veterans and, and the sacrifices that they have made I, I think of our athletes Olympic athletes and the sacrifices that they make do you know how how much it changes a person's life to compete in the Olympics. I mean, there are young people that give up their high school, everything about it, except just filling out papers and answering questions, because every free moment is spent practicing so that they can be a good enough disciple of that discipline, whatever it is, running, walking, swimming, uh, hula hoop, uh, they don't have that in the Olympics, do they? Uh, but all of those things that they do so that they can perform on a level, uh, the greatest uh, guitar player in, in my lifetime was a man named Andre Segovia. And uh, someone asked him about the guitar and he says, I am not a master of the guitar. He said, I'm a student. Oh, well, that may be part of the reason why he was as great a musician as he was. You see, I am not anything but a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Timothy, Peter, when these men introduced themselves to us in Scripture, it was Peter, a servant. And, and if you like the Greek, that word is doulos, which means slave. He said, I am the lowest servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said these things. You see, 
having a shame and an understanding. By the way, blushing is automatic. You cannot control it if it's real. I imagine there's some Hollywood actress that has learned how to make her face turn red and appear to blush. Uh, But I would think that would be more difficult than tears and all of the other things that they do. But a real blush, you can't stop it. It it is automatic. You're just sitting there going, oh, no. I messed up. Or, oh, I can't believe this person is saying this in public. A blush. A sigh. Why? Why must people choose sin? Knowing it's going to destroy them. Knowing. I mean, you stop and think about this. We had this new craze. CBD, everything. And I know, it's not supposed to be any of the things that make you high. It's supposed to just be the good stuff. Well... They tell me that some of the best food in the world is thrown away by the hundreds of tons every day in this city. I just thank God that I've never been hungry enough to go looking for it. We, we live in a society that is under the influence of something 24 hours a day. Could we not ask God to make us under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God? Humility. You see, shame opens the door to repentance. The Bible tells us sighing gives us protection from the judgment of God. But you know what humility does? It gives us grace. God's unmerited favor. Could we just stop and look at our life and ask God, as a church, as individuals, I know we're getting into the Christmas season for real. Uh, I'm tired of seeing Christmas trees at Home Depot and uh, before Labor Day, but uh, uh, all of these things that are out there, But as we think of the true meaning of Christ coming to earth, how much more humble can you get than Bethlehem's manger? As Jesus was riding a donkey into the city of Jerusalem, he looked over the city and he wept, didn't he? He sighed. When the Pharisees said, tell thy servants to hold their peace. He said, if these would hold their peace immediately, the stones would cry out. And Jesus refused to be a party to their sin and to their shame. And and would uncover the wickedness that was there. We, We live in the end times, yes. We live in dark days. Yeah, we do. But I want to tell you, blushing is still in style. 
feeling shame at having modesty compromised. Whether it be through dress, through words, through behavior. That sighing is in vogue when people make choices that are against God's word. When that we find ourselves stepping out of the way and not doing the things that we should, having that longing, oh dear Lord, how long shall I fight against this person who is me? But that last one is the hardest. Is, okay Lord, let's just do it your way. You know, that's why we still do church. Just the way they used to do it. I've had people say, well, wow, your church service is kind of like the one my grandmother used to go to. Uh, that's on purpose. We're not trying to be old-fashioned for the sake of being old-fashioned. Please, just because something old doesn't mean it's good. But what we're trying to do is stick with the things that Jesus gave us. He gave us a book. He gave us a church. He gave us a path on which to walk. It's called the narrow way. And once again, I love David's surmisal of that narrow way. He said, I find thy commandment to be exceeding broad. He said, I've seen the perfection of all men. He said, I've seen all perfection. He said, I've seen the best that everybody can do. But I'll tell you what. I find the most freedom, the most joy, the most peace, the most safety in just following those simple words that God's given me. Can we ask God to give us the blush back that we could feel shame when people say and do, when we say and do things that are just not right? God will give it to you if you'll let him. To be careful about modesty in our dress, in our deportment, in our speech, in our thought process. To be able to long for the truth of God to the point that when we see it being demeaned in this world that we sigh and say, Lord, please. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross when he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then that simple word that is so hard to do. I wish I could stand up here as your pastor and say, now listen, here is the path to humility. Uh, but that would be pride now, wouldn't it? You see, that's why he's given us a church. So we can take our will and surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just say, I'm going to do things your way. Blushing, 
sighing humbly. All verbs. Good verbs. Verbs that we need to pray and ask God to help us exercise in our daily living. And as we do this, we're going to have acceptance from God. We're going to have protection from His judgment. And we're going to have grace that is more sufficient, more than sufficient to meet every need. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, as a pastor, I cannot be less than honest before you and before this congregation saying, I I need this sermon as much or more than everyone in this room. Lord, that you would give us back that childlike innocence. That our face would turn red. That we would feel that shame. That we would feel the glow of of our face turning red as the blood rushes to our face because of our revulsion of our behavior or someone's compromised modesty. Lord, we live in a world where some terrible thing happens and everybody records it on their cell phones. Lord, help us not to be among the gawkers. Lord, that you would work in our hearts. That when we are brought face to face with wrong decisions, that we would sigh and long for the truth and what is right. And Lord, this thing called humility, we cannot reach out and grab a hold of it. We cannot define it in specific terms as we would. We cannot weigh it. It's just something we must be. And Lord, it's when the Holy Spirit has control, we can be humble. And we would ask that you would work in our hearts and lives. That we would be out of step with the world and in step with the Holy Spirit of God and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of our invitation, 308. Maybe Leland, if you'd come and just lead that for us. 308. And let's just sing through that first verse together. And if you need to come and pray, I'm just going to ask you to step out of your seat. If you need to make a decision for the Lord today, we'd be happy to help you with baptism and membership, but you have to ask. We'd want nothing more than to open the Bible and show you what it says about how to be saved. But we wouldn't dare force anyone in that decision as we sing.